You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony. I'd like to welcome you all to SF and SF tonight, Science Fiction, San Francisco, a perfect fit. My name is Rena Weissman, and I am not only the coordinator for SF and SF, but I'm also a board member for Variety Children's Charity of Northern California, and this is the Variety Preview Room Theater. So one of the uh, things that SF and SF does is help fundraise and make money for the charity. Um, without further ado, I'd like to turn the evening over to our esteemed moderator, Terry Bisson. Thank you. Oh, well, thank you all for coming. It's, uh, we've been on a two-month hiatus, and I'm, I, for one, I'm glad to be back. And I was, I'm excited, because tonight we're starting at the top of the barrel. Uh, we're starting with two very distinguished authors from very distinguished presses, and um, um, I think it's going to be exciting. Now, how we do this, as most of you know, we have our two authors read, then we take a short break and buy some food, to, uh, buy a drink to help children, and then we, uh, we have a Q&A, and we schmooze, and we get to know the authors and their work and what they're about. So my introductions will be quite brief and to the point, and let's get on with it. Uh, our first reader tonight is a, um, I wouldn't call him a local author. He doesn't seem like a very local person. He's from New York originally. He lived in Morocco. He's, a, he's here as a, um, in Oakland as a visiting professor of religion, psychology, and culture, the first two of which I've heard. And um, uh, his first novel uh, is published by one of the most um, distinguished presses in science fiction, which is Small Beer. And uh, I I understand he was steered there by Nalo Hopkinson, who's a favorite of our, of the the science fiction crowd here in in San Francisco. And his first novel, his new novel, the one that's causing quite a stir is called Liminal People, and I'll let him describe to you what it's about and what he's reading from, and uh, please allow me to introduce Ayuse Jama Everett. Hello. Um, the Liminal People um, is a story of uh, what happens when one person tries to be more than what they thought they could be. <laughs> um, and there's powers in there as well. Um, for some reason, people keep calling it a superhero um, novel. And I'm just like, there's nobody in this book that's a hero. Um, but they are super. Um, Have we got sound in the back? Can you guys hear? Can you hear me? You see? OK, I'll speak up. Thank you. Um, I'm not sure we're on. We're on. We're okay. on. Can right. you hear me now? Is that louder? Okay. okay. I'm going to do that. Yeah. <laughs> Yay. Luckily, we figured that out before I started reading. Um, I am going to read from Chapter 8 of The Liminal People. <clears throat> um, 
the main character is on the search to find uh, a young girl named Tamara. Um, and currently, he doesn't look the way that he usually looks. That's all you need to know. <clears throat> it's part of my reading, is that hum? Yeah. <laughs> An all-girls Catholic school where they're, made those, where they're made to wear those pedophile dream uniforms. Half a block away, and I already smell the adolescent hormones. I try not to respond in kind. I did a lot of things off of instinct during my cross-Africa trek that I later had to learn the specifics of. Keeping the animals from attacking me, for instance. In my delusional state, I thought it was simply because I was different. Over time, I realized it had more to do with my manipulation of my scent. I called it stank. I sent out a non-fear hormone. This confused the animals enough to make them leave me alone. Humans react to stank as well. It's obvious to me, but of course, most people are unaware which sensory input they are reacting to. We're a little more subtle about it than animals. But that person at work you can't stand, that girl whose number you just have to get, stank. I read an article that said no evidence of pheromones exists. I really wish I could tell them about what I smell. Teenagers are the worst. They reek of pheromones, like baby, like baby skunks that unleash all their odor at once, or adolescent rattlesnakes full of venom. Human children spray their pheromones everywhere. Catholic schoolgirls are the worst of the worst. I hit the playground exactly at noon, but I hold back a little bit, across the street from the brickyard. The younger girls come out first. They go for the balls and jump ropes. Then the older girls descend from their high tower of protection hoping to take on whatever dangers the real world may have to offer. I keep my senses open for seared lungs. When I feel it, it comes from behind the playground on the other end of the school. Makes sense. That's where the cool girls go to smoke. Tomorrow is either a cool girl or a freak. All of our kind are. We either lead the pseudo-outsiders or we truly live the outsider experience. I'm banking on our mother's desire to make her normal, affecting her enough to at least try for the outcast friends. I take my time getting over to the girls, but increase my perspiration rate and kick the I'm sexy hormones into overdrive. I'm making sure I'm downwind of the nuns, scared of what they'll do if they caught a whiff of me now. Any of you girls know a girl named Tamara? I say standing in front of five girls out of a bad 80s punk video. Two try to hide their cigarettes. Two take long drags and stand, looking at me with a scowl. One blushes. Girls respond to I'm sexy in different ways. Who wants to know? A girl with a Southie accent. One day she'll be fat and bloated, like her mother. I can already feel a slower metabolism than normal, which is why she smokes, so she doesn't have to eat, so she doesn't have to work off all those calories. It's all unconscious for her. And that's what makes her the cause of the stains on so many teenage boys' sheets right now. But her cavity-ridden mouth and pockmarked face make her tough girl impression almost laughable. Only I'm not playing games right now, so I give her the respect she thinks she wants. She doesn't realize she's standing so close, or that she's pressing down on her skirt with her free hand, trying to make a good impression. Look, I'm not a cop, okay? I'm an intern down at the hospital. I know she's been missing for a while, but look, she's sick, okay? I just can't say what. I've just got to find her. A bit much of personal attention, innit? 
the blushing one says, still not standing and not intrepid enough to look in my face. She'll grow to be gorgeous, provided she deals with that ulcer eating away her intestines. We were, are, friends. I'm not trying to get her in any trouble, I promise. Look, if she's run away, I won't tell anyone. Heart rates go through the roof on that one. Not sure what that means, but they're focusing on my words. You some kind of perv? The second unabashed smoker is asking, leaning on her friend's shoulder, giving hard looks, trying not to lick her lips. She tried for the posh accent, but her Brixton roots won't let her go. Although she's five shades lighter than me, even now, with me at my lightest, one of her parents came from the Caribbean recently. Listen to me. She's sick. Really sick. But she doesn't know it yet. She could die. Plus, she's contagious. If you've seen her, if you shared drinks with her or ate from the same plate of food, you could be sick, too. How come the news hasn't said anything? The blusher asks. She believes every word from my mouth. The news doesn't know. I'm sitting on it for as long as I can. Her father's a politician, and tomorrow wouldn't want to be part of anything that could ruin his reputation. So who is she to you, then? Again, the brash smoker. Not as brash this time. Investigating. She wants to believe me. Like I said, we're friends. She means a lot to me. She was acting weird before she disappeared. She came to the clinic where I worked all the time. We started talking, went for coffee. Oh, God, I just realized how that sounds. I'm not attracted to her. I mean, she's a beautiful girl, but I'm not. They make my excuses for me, eating out of the palm of my hand. To them, I'm a sexy but shy intern who's fallen in love with a girl too young for him. They'd kill, for the, they'd kill their own mothers for me right now. All right, love, unabashed Southie smoker says, patting my cheek. We're all right here, yeah? Ain't none of us has been in spit's breath of her since she's disappeared, yeah? But if you want to find her, it's that one over there. I've been looking at you since you come over here. You gotta go talk to her, yeah? She points past the park to the corner where I'd been standing. Another girl, not in uniform, but around the same age, holds up a wall with her shoulder. She's frail, not more than 110 pounds, and dressed like she just raided the cool kid's store. Green button-up blouse half open with a gray wife beater underneath. She's wearing leggings of some sort and a black trench coat three sizes too big for her. She's got yellow sneakers on that look like boxing shoes laced to her feet. And when she sees me looking, she starts walking away. You shouldn't smoke, is all I leave the Catholic girls with, taking the cigarette out of Miss Brixton's mouth. I fix her asthma at the same time. I turn, marching towards the fir my first real lead, suddenly feeling stupid in my scrubs. When she comes around the corner, out of eyeshot, I reach for her body with my senses and find an electrical storm in her brain. She's like me. I quit faking nonchalance and begin to run, hit the corner hard, and spot her at the end of the street. She's tensed and ready for a fight. Whatever she's got going on doesn't block my skill. I could take her out in a second if I wanted to. But she, know where, she knows where Yasmin's daughter is, so I play it smooth. I just want to talk, I say, closing the distance between us by half. Her, her respiration is through the roof. Her eyes are dilating. She's using her power, but not on me. What did you do? Her voice betrays her youth. She can't be more than 13. Nothing. I'm just looking for a friend. You felt me. You touched me. The distance makes yelling the only way to communicate. I try to come forward, and she raises her hand. I'm half expecting fire or ice to flow from it. When nothing happens, I continue walking towards her. Yes, I did. I'm like you. Do you know tomorrow? Why are all the dogs in the houses barking? Stay away. I don't want to hurt you. Only a manhole cover separates her and me right now. I'm just looking for Tamara. Stay away from Tamara. She's ours now. She's trying to sound tough, but her fear is evident. But, she, but so is the squall of heat from her mind. 
I'm about to push her heart into calming down when I hear a window shatter behind me. I turn. A fucking dog. A big one. German Shepherd. Big teeth. All showing. He's mad at me. I get it now. She talks to animals. I turn to face the girl. She's gone. But she's left a few dozen surprises. Rats the size of overweight cats swarm up from the manhole covers with the same fury as the dog. Shit. On instinct, I beefed up my leg muscles, jump over the rats and away from the dog. For a second, I'm, I hope the dog and the rats will get into it and leave me alone. Of course not. Three more windows break, and now there are four dogs. Great. Plus more rats every second. I hate rats. I hate little Pied Piper of Hamlin girls that talk to rats and dogs. I run. No real strategy except to get to higher ground. I'm like a demented Dr. Doolittle with a band of enraged house dogs and street rats swarming a vicious tail behind me. Usually I'd outrun them all, but I've expended so much energy on my morphing that it's all I can do to keep the rabies babies from making a lunch out of my Achilles tendon. Since when do rats attack people? She does something to these animals. I'll figure it out after I get to surviving. It may be harder than it sounds. Every second I have more enemies and fewer options. Ten dogs now. Can't count the seething masses of bouncing brown and black rodents. Too many. Is this how I go out a feast of vermin of London? I survived walking across Africa. Damn it, lions didn't touch me. <laughs> right, lions didn't touch me. I adjust my pheromones quickly, but I'm tired, running, changing, Yasmin, too much in one day. I bump up my pheromones again until I reek of predator, of the biggest, most vicious animals these city-dwelling creatures have ever had nightmares about. I'm what makes them want to grab their babies and run. I'm the biggest dog on the block. By the time I round the corner into an abandoned construction site, my face is back. My own face is back. I've got no energy to keep up the illusion, and I smell like Mr. Big Critter, but they just keep coming. Somewhere nearby, that girl is still driving these creatures. They've slowed down. They're afraid of me, the pheromones, but she's pushing them to keep coming. I can fear their brains near seizing from her electrical storm. I'm just about out of options, but not quite. Someone's done me the solid of leaving a lead pipe here. I grab it. The first rat is a dead rat. The first dog is a wounded dog. After that, I can only promise I'll go down swinging. Too bad my powers don't work on animals. But they're not just animals, are they? The girl's got them on puppet strings. I can even feel them, those strings, through her. I can feel them, then maybe I can hurt them. I reach out with my senses. Affecting them is going to be like trying to give a back massage with a catcher's mitt. But I think I can do it. Fuck it, it's them or me. I raise my free hand and slam them all with my power. Half the rats die of heart attacks. Three of the dogs let out yelps of pain and spasm on the ground. I do it again. Another quarter of the rats go into spasms, two dogs down. If I were stronger, maybe, but I'm so tired. Some of the other animals scamper away. Not all. I use the last of my strengths to beef up my muscles and reflexes and bang the pipe against the outlines of the building that will never be constructed. Come on, you varmints! Pathetic epitaph, but it's all I've got. They come. I swing. Three rats first. I kick one back, stomp another's head, and dodge a third. I guide the pipe into an arching swing like I'm trying to reach deep left field. The blow tags the third rat in mid-flight and the German shepherd who just reached pipe's distance. Never seen a dog stagger before, but it couldn't come out of a better time. He falls into the mini army of rats that just reached the ankle-biting area. I take advantage of the reprieve and I climb. The scaffolding behind me is all metal. There's a pit bull below me and I don't want to figure out how to deal with it, but the rats could get up here and if the girl, if the girl didn't stop them. She's got them all huddled below me and now I'm hearing her voice. You killed them! She's bawling from the other end of the construction site. What kind of man are you? The kind that refuses to be eaten by animals. 
They were just doing what I told them to do. Then you're responsible for the death. You're as responsible for the death as I am. Unless you want me to kill the rest of them, I suggest you call them off now. Pure bravado. Let's hope she can't read minds. You're just as bad as her, the girl says, raising her hand. The animals disperse. Where's Tamara? Whoever you are, whatever you really look like, you stay away from her. If you go near her, we'll kill you. Now I've met 21 people just like me. You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony.